Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We feel the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, everybody? Fred and Ryan back for episode 20 of the Shell and Tell podcast. It's been a minute. Hey, we're opting in, guys. We're opting into this season. Let's do it. Uh, Yes, we've had a lot on our plates, especially you. Uh, The Shamel family as a whole has had a lot on their plates over the last couple of weeks. Uh, So it's been a little bit of time since we've gotten a chance to sit down behind the microphones and just kind of talk some terps and catch people up on what's been going on we just couldn't figure out how to live up to that ellis episode we're just riding high <laughs> no i mean you know it's a it's an interesting year all all around we don't know what's going on with the football season it's different every week uh finally feel like there's enough news that we needed to talk about it and like take a look at what might happen yeah <laughs> so on this week's episode we're going to talk a little bit about the changes to the 2020 uh upcoming schedule that we have going on uh, there have been some modifications to that, if you haven't heard about those as yet. As if our schedule wasn't difficult enough. We, right. Uh, change it up a little bit. Speaking of change, there's also going to be some changes to some players' positions. Uh, interesting enough, there's been some opt-outs that have affected certain positions. The left is really thin, so we're having to rob Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And even though there's a bunch of football talk, we'll get into the basketball, the scholarship status, and some additions to that team. Yeah. And then uh, – you know, speaking of the Ellis interview that we had, uh, obviously we talked a lot about the Jordan McNair uh, Foundation with that and Marty McNair publishing his book. And both of us got our copies, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and our, just kind of give our uh, takes on what we thought that that book, you know, kind of presented. And uh, I just thought, I thought considering Marty had never written a book before, uh, it was a job well done. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, first book I've ever read in one day. Um, <laughs> that is not something I'm doing. A little humble brag here, I guess. Um, but boy, we, we really support the Jordan McNair Foundation. Really hope you guys get your own copy and read it. Um, we've made good on half our promise so far. I uh, made my donation that I promised for the tweets and retweets. All right. Uh, $365 uh, for 365 days a year. We're thinking of uh, uh, Jordan McNair. Um, and I will make that second half promise as well. We need to get the books ordered here shortly um, for those that retweeted. Okay, sounds good. And for those that don't know what we're talking about with this Ellis McKenney interview, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it or check it out yet, see it on our YouTube page uh, where we do an actual video interview with Ellis. If you just want to listen to it, you can find it on all the popular podcast apps out there as well. It was episode 19. Uh, thanks again to Ellis for taking the time with us to sit down and do that interview. It was great. Yeah, definitely worth a listen. If you're willing to listen to this episode, that episode's going to be a lot of fun for you. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's hop right into it, man. Let's talk about kind of the the rumblings of everything that's happening so far to start this 2020 potential football season. Uh, obviously, for you, I know as we get closer to the season ticket announcements and whatnot, that's kind of like your holiday. That's like your a second Christmas for you. Uh, sounds like the Grinch is robbing you of yep. your second Christmas. That is absolutely my second Christmas. The day <laughs> season tickets arrive is the day I realize that my f- most fun time of year is coming. My six Saturdays a, a year in my happy place of Section 7 in what used to be Bird State of Maryland Stadium. <laughs> right. Um, 
it's just it's a great time and so when i see those tickets it just reminds me of what's coming and right. it's like a little bit sad because the end of summer but you just know you got something to look forward to now summer's ending i got nothing to look forward to they're not letting me go all right so so walk fans through this obviously the big 10 made the announcement that there will not be fans in the stands at these games uh so what happens for those that are out there that are season ticket holders what happens to your current tickets and uh, I know as a Ravens fan, I'm through going through this same position right yeah. now. So, um, number one, uh, both Damon Evans and the ticket office both emailed me and uh, asked me to change my uh, season tickets to a Terrapin Club donation. Hmm. No, I'm I'm not going to do that. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe some of you guys got it like that. Um, I support, we've said this before, I support the team with this podcast and support with my season 100%. ticket vouchers. But uh, I just don't have money running out my veins to just uh, throw it on the <laughs> wall and try to get my name on a urinal. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you can also get a refund, um, for your season tickets, or okay. you can, uh, let them hold your money for this year and you get 110%, um, towards next year's tickets. Nice. Now, I don't know if they're going to just increase the price 10%, but I think it sounds like they're going to probably what they're <laughs> going to do. They'll do. That might <laughs> be some bad press. Um, but it sounds like what they might do is that next year's tickets will be the same price. And they said that that 110% credit could be used if they sell single season games this year. Right. So they haven't committed to doing that. Right now it sounds mostly like uh PG County is telling them you can't have fans in the stands. Okay. So then if PG County allows them to do that, then they would make their own decision on whether they're going to sell season single game tickets. But they've decided that season tickets are are no more. They're not okay. getting them. Okay. So. All right, so speaking of tickets, right, uh also the Big 10 announced uh, the the modifications to the 2020 schedule, which is going to be a strictly Big Ten only schedule, uh, it's going to total out to be 10 games this year, and it's going to start September 5th on the road against a highly ranked top 25 team in Iowa. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to catch a team like that, week one's the week to do it. We've beat two times Texas while they were top 25 week one. It's true. Week one does some strange things all the way across college football, so... Our schedule gets murderer's row at the end, but we we of our first four games, that is definitely the hardest game, and I'm glad that it's week one. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this schedule, uh, it's murderer's row pretty much the whole way through. I mean, you're you're talking about a ten game schedule. Six of those games going into the preseason rankings are against ranked teams. That's like every year. I swear, <laughs> every year that's our schedule. Part of the big being in the Big Ten, man. It's, but this year is it's not going to be any exception, or it's not going to be any easier for the for the Terps. I kind of hoped uh, we might get one of those not gimme games, but you know, a game that might be a little easier for us to obtain, maybe against an Illinois. So I was kind of surprised that Illinois wasn't involved with our scheduling. Yeah, and any any more Big Ten East or I mean uh, West opponents would have been helpful, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's true uh all right so that leads us to we know we're gonna you know supposedly as of right now we're gonna have a we're gonna have a season and if we have a season it's gonna be 10 games it's gonna all gonna be against the big 10 well there also comes along with who's gonna play this season right and the terps have already had quite a few pretty big names opt out for this 2020 season one of which opt out on his senior year uh, which would have been his last year of football eligibility. I don't think he would have been a factor unless there were injuries to happen this year, but still pretty surprised to see Josh Jackson opts out, opt out on this upcoming season. Yeah, we uh, had Josh Jackson opt out of this season. I mean, just look at the list of quarterbacks that have left this program from last year. You know, Pigram uh, yeah. changed down a level. Max Bortenschlager went down a level. Um, you had uh, uh, the guy from Virginia Beach that we really liked. Yeah, Tyler DeSue. 
Yeah, so Tyler DeSue uh, left just basically retired, kind of like Josh Jackson just did. Now, right. Tyler DeSue was not COVID-related. He just decided he was done with football, but it's uh, pretty similar. Uh, yeah, we- it, it leaves us pretty shorthanded, though. I mean, at this point, we've got two scholarship quarterbacks because they did announce this week that Talia Tugavaloa is now going to be eligible for this upcoming season if there is a season. Uh, so that leaves us with two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster currently. Yeah, for about 23 hours there, we only had one scholarship right. quarterback in Lance Lejean because Talia hadn't been um, been announced yet. So we are, we're back up to two. We're killing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, that leaves us a little bit of a concern. I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think Josh Jackson was going to be a factor this year unless injury dictated so. But from a depth perspective, you and I have talked about this before. There's been many a seasons, recent seasons, where we've been down to our third and fourth quarterback. Uh, I know that the Terps do have a couple of you know non-scholarship walk-on guys that are going to be competing for a spot as a backup quarterback as well. But you know, I'm ex- I'm still excited about this group of co- of quarterbacks. I think uh, the the continued development of Lance Lejean. He he. When I look at pictures of him, I can even tell physically that he's he looks bigger, he looks stronger, he looks more athletic, uh, and he was the number eight overall recruited quarterback coming out of high school in his class. So we can't forget. Even though I know everybody's hyped about Talia, and there's a lot a lot to be hyped about with this kid, uh, you can't forget Lance and the excitement that he can bring to this offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the problem is, can we keep one quarterback? We've always said the year that we have the same starting quarterback, week one and week twelve, is the year that this this team's actually out of this, you know, purgatory of just trying to scrape across a season. I right. mean, we just need one quarterback. That's all we need, not lots of quarterbacks. Well, the way you get through week one to week twelve is by having a quality offensive line and having quality offensive line depth. Which is now a problem. Yeah, we just got hurt. Yeah, because we start talking about these opt-outs, Josh Jackson on the quarterback side. When you look at offensive line, we were already concerned about the quality of offensive line that we had. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of JUCOs that are coming in, people that we just don't know how they're going to work in the Big Ten. But when you lose two potential starters for this year, an offensive lineman, Austin Fontaine and Johnny Jordan, two guys that we're going to – probably lock down your right guard and your center position that's a huge huge loss for a team that's already thin at offensive line yeah one of the bright spots last year was getting those guys experience was that they got on the field now it wasn't the greatest but you know as freshmen and redshirt freshmen in the big 10 it's a rough road to plow so right uh, you know having those guys there um opting out you know everybody's make their own decision for themselves i don't hold it against them in any way shape or form that they're not playing I don't know what my decision would be in, in this situation, but it definitely leaves that line in a rough spot. Yeah, I'm not going to point the finger at anybody for opting out. That's 100% their choice, and I'm not, I don't you know, blame them at all for opting out. It's just when you start factoring in the fact that there will be a football season uh, and you've, you've got these two exciting quarterbacks, you want to give them the best shot at, at utilizing their skills and staying upright for six or more seconds at a time. Uh, so I started looking at some pieces – as to maybe some offensive line shift shifting around because that's what they're going to have to do because they're so thin right now. Uh, Marcus Miner was a guy that played on the right side a lot last year. Uh, I think he might be in the thick of things for the starting center job now that uh, Johnny Jordan's not going to be there. Uh, also, Evan Gregory, who's a sophomore out of DeMatha, he played guard and center at high school. I think he'll be in that conversation for a starting center spot. But, I mean, the center the center in my opinion, 
the center position is the second most important piece on the offensive line outside of your left tackle that's protecting your quarterback's blind side. Uh, he's also typically the communicator of the offensive line, right? He's yeah, which the might captain. make him the most important. Because- right. So depending on how you look at that, yeah, he could be the most important. So it's going to be a lot for Marcus uh, to to you know transition to, but I do think just based on the options that we have, those will probably be two guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's going to be different in every position across the board. We got, uh, you know, at least a tackle that's returning for us. Yeah, so last year we had the uh, freshman, Jalen Duncan, uh, who's going to be a sophomore this year, who started the year off uh, right away just because the the options that we had were so limited as a starter at the left side. Uh, started a little slow. You could tell that he, he needed to develop on his footwork and whatnot. But, but he, he got the better. eye test. He was oh, definitely yeah. in a Big Ten quality size and, you know, stature. A hundred percent. So <laughs> – he developed and got better over the season. I think as a sophomore, he you know he's got a little bit more size onto him. He's got the experience now. He knows what to expect from the Big Ten. So I think the left side of the line, as far as left tackle goes, Duncan will probably be the plug-and-play starter there. Another guy that I think that gets kind of missed in the shuffle uh, is T.J. Bradley. So Bradley was a kid that was supposed to compete with Duncan last year for the starting left tackle job, but ultimately had a, a season-ending knee injury. He's back, so that's another piece that maybe he either adds depth behind Duncan or maybe he's a piece that slides to one of those guard spots that's open. So yeah. that's, that's definitely another name to keep an eye on. Uh, and then we've got, like I talked about, <clears throat> we got a bunch of JUCO transfers that are coming in that we don't know how much to expect out of these guys, but these are guys that have played collegiate football. They've got the athleticism. they got the size, so they should be plug-and-play. And I know the one guy that Coach Locks – has been really excited about, has been Jahari Branch. This is a guy that they feel can come in, step in, and make an immediate impact, and I think you might see him at one of those guard spots as well. Yeah, even before the uh, departures of our two offensive linemen here, I had thought he had a shot to be in the mix. He like right. when, when he had committed, I mean, it's a big-time JUCO program. He seems to have the body. He's only got a couple years of eligibility left, and it looked like he was going to come in and at least push somebody, if not grab a starting spot. So I do think he'll probably end up in one of the guard positions. I 100% agree. And then finally, on the right-hand side, you're going to have coming back as a sophomore, right tackle Spencer Anderson, 6'5", 318 pounds. He played basically every game last year except for one at right tackle last season. Uh, I thought he did a, a pretty admirable job. But, again, he was young. You know, between him and Duncan, both of these guys super young. They're just going to be better this year. I, I got my fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed that <laughs> – for the sake of our quarterbacks and for the sake of the offense that these guys can step up and, and figure it out because that's crucial that's, to this team's success. That's the linchpin of this offense because we have we have weapons elsewhere. So, yes, that's four out of five positions on the offensive line that, that you can foresee a solid option that's at least there. Right. Um, so that, that last guard spot really is between a, a couple options. You, know, you got Marcus Finger that could be stepping up. He didn't right. see much game action last year, right. but he's a 300-pound guy. He's from Wisconsin, played football in Florida. Those are two places that do pretty well for football, yeah. especially linemen. Born and bred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that could be an option. There's, there's a few more. Uh, yeah. There, Tyron Hunt, he was another guy. He was a little undersized last year. He's over 300 pounds now. He's over 310. I think he's like 312 pounds now at this point. He's another guy that will factor into the shuffle at, at, as far as those guard positions go. But, you know, you mentioned weapons, right? And this is something I wanted to talk to you about a little bit too because – If you, our offensive line can hold up. If our <laughs> offensive line can hold up, right, and we know we've got two talented quarterbacks, probably in my opinion – 
the two most talented quarterbacks skill-wise that we've had at the University of Maryland in probably over a decade. I mean, that's to me, that's 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 what I see in these two guys. But a lot of that's going to depend on how much time they're given, right? So if the offensive line can hold up, you have to be excited about this wide receiver core that we have coming back this year. Some of the new pieces that are coming in, some of the pieces that are coming back from injury, you know, a senior that's been a veteran that's to put up good stats. I mean, you look at this, right? You've got, obviously, you got the senior and, and DJ Turner coming back, probably will work most of his work from the slot. Yeah. Right? The big-time slot player, yeah. Absolutely. Guy that you and I both were extremely impressed with last year at the spring game, had his ups and downs last year, but proved that he's a legit Big Ten receiver in Dante Demas. Demas was putting people on notice last year. He had breakaway speed, and he's got big boys, number one wide receiver size. Right. You got a guy coming back from a season-ending season ending injury uh, who's now a junior. It's kind of crazy. Jason Jones. <laughs> that is crazy. You right, Jawan Jones, Mr. Weapon X, yeah. Texas by himself, you know, throwing a touchdown, running a touchdown, and catching a touchdown. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the explosion of that, and then you add a top five nationally recruited wide receiver to the mix, uh, a guy that, again, local kid that decided to stay home and do it right, like we've seen some other wide receivers do in the past here at Maryland, Rakim Jarrett. This yeah. is another guy that, I mean – who are you going to guard? Yeah, Rakim Jarrett's going to uh, you know, make me uh, question whether Dante Demas is that number one. That's his goal. <laughs> He's like, ah, we'll see. We'll right. see who's number one here. But, I mean, you've you got to be excited about that. In, in my opinion, just looking at them on paper, right, knowing what we know about what each of them brings, i got to say, I think on paper they're a top three wide receiver class in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, I mean – I don't think you can argue top five. Top three is a possibility. That's kind of where, but and that's amazing. We haven't been in the top fifteen, right, <laughs> in a while. You know, I mean, even with DJ Moore there, like, like we didn't, we didn't know how good he was. Like, we all loved DJ Moore and knew he was a good receiver, right? But because of how bad our quarterback play was, our live and play, he didn't get any respect, right, in, in, in the fact that he was good. But the thing with <laughs> DJ Moore was right; he was a standout wide receiver on a a core of misfits. This is a legit wide receiver core where you could see two or possibly three of these guys having pro careers. Like that's how good these guys, I'm not saying first round draft picks, yeah. but guys that could eventually have NFL or CFL type careers. Who's your third? My third right now at my three are Jay Sean Jones. Okay. That's Dante Demas and Rakim Jarrett. Yeah. They might have Dante Demas and Rakim Jarrett were like, kind of slam junks just because Dante Demas has like the prototypical body right and he had a very good season last year if he does has that same season he would be at least a late round draft pick um, I, I just, could see Deshaun Jones could Deshaun Jones to me reminds me for Ravens fans out there of a Chris Moore a guy that can be like a a fourth or fifth wide receiver on a team and in the NFL but he brings explosion to the return game that could be a good kick returner and punt returner that's why I think he'll have a pro career okay yeah no I, I definitely I mean the way he started his freshman year, if he even has that kind of production, he will definitely be a pro. It's just with the the one year off with injury, I didn't know if he was your third. Yeah. All right, so the other position, the other skill position that you and I were kind of excited about last year uh, but didn't pan out because, well, we had shit offensive line play because of injuries, so we had to re rely on these guys staying in and chipping and blocking more than they should have, is a tight end position 
Uh, obviously, we know Tyler Mabry. He's now on to the NFL and, and pursuing his NFL career. Uh, but and We thought we had one guy to lean on. Yeah. Shinga Conquo. We thought he was doing big things. He had a couple breakout plays last year that looked like a grown man. Yeah. And he decided to opt out, take his well, grown man self home. So from what I heard with him is it uh, wasn't yeah. it wasn't an opt out. It was more of a medical thing. Yeah. Um, I, they didn't announce what that medical Don't know thing if it was. was. A, he has medical issues that make him higher risk and he's opting right. out or whether he actually had an injury. They didn't right. really say it was me- the medical. But either way, we won't be seeing him. They, they actually didn't say they said indefinitely. Yeah. So I don't know if that just means he's legit done right. or if this is something where he's allowed to come back midseason, late season. But for right now, we have zero tight ends we've seen anything with. Well, exactly. So <laughs> where do we go from here uh, with tight ends? What do we do to band-aid this position? There are a couple of guys I know that they announced the other day that are going to be transitioning from the defensive side of the ball to tight end. Yeah, we have a DN tight Tyler Baylor and uh, linebacker Cam Blount both switching sides of the ball. Um, Tyler Baylor, six foot four, two fifty five. It's um, a good size, absolutely. Uh, he's actually a grandson of NBA great Elgin Baylor. Okay, um, he drew interest from Power Five schools despite only playing football his junior season um, in high school at Good Council. Wow. Um, so you know, getting that kind of attention early, they know he has he has the body for it, um, and they obviously good genes with his with his yeah, granddad then. right um he appeared in 11 games at defensive end uh telling only 10 tackles one and a half tackles for loss and a fumble recovery last year's sophomore season i uh, see this guy kind of playing the blocking role just based on his size he was already a defensive end so he already knows what it's like to get off on the ball as far as blocking against a you know yeah, an offensive he knows what the defensive end's trying to do to him exactly so <laughs> i think he'll be more of the blocking role but i think the linebacker typically is going to be more of the athlete, so yeah. I think I think Blount rangy speed. Yeah, Blount might be a guy that's uh, the receiving threat. Six two two thirty four, so definitely on the leaner side and a smaller side there. So yeah, he's not going to be doing a lot of blocking of big time tackles. Right. Um, so you're probably right there. Uh, apparently played some QB in high school, so the playbook's not going to be an issue. Um, but those that size, I really hope that he uh, has grown a little bit since those stats were put up. Well, another guy, I mean, we talked about Dante Demas, right? And last year, I mean, both of us were kind of blown away with his size. Do you think Dante Demas lines up at tight end at all? I don't, I wouldn't do that to that kid. I mean, he's like we talked. He has a very, very good NFL potential with so what he's doing now. The reason I ask that is, right, so Mark Andrews, tight end for the, for the Ravens, right, played a lot of quote-unquote tight end at Oklahoma, but he also lined up at wide receiver a lot from the slot, and he went, he played off the line. He was the receiving threat. But Dante Demas has a similar frame to a Mark Andrews that I think he could still be 100% be that, that receiving threat that he was, uh, but maybe they ask him just based on his size to stay in on certain formations to chip or block as a tight end would. He could, I mean, especially when you're looking at like the like the double wing, where like the tight ends are like kind of in the backfield, right? So that formations like that, maybe where you can have a better chance. I don't think you're going to see him putting his hand in the dirt, okay, to, on the offensive line. That's kind of where I, I I just don't see that. But yes, in the ways you use tight ends, like of course he's going to be one of your bigger slot options. Like you need a slant for five yards. That's a big body to get out there on a linebacker that can get you get it done. Right. So in those ways where you would have used a tight end that you don't have an option on, he certainly will do that. 
And yeah, I could see him doing a little bit of blocking. I mean, you're not. Would you rather Jashwan Jones be blocking, or would no. you rather Dante Demas be blocking? A hundred percent, Dante <laughs> Demas. Right. So if you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul at the wide receiver position, I think Dante Demas makes the most sense sense athletically. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of that, right? So we talk about the depth at wide receiver and how good this wide receiver class can be. Well, I think somebody else. Uh, woke up to that one morning and said, you know what, my better shot might not be a wide receiver, might be a corner because our team is pretty depleted at cornerback uh, as Isaiah Hazel, former four-star wide receiver recruit. So this kid's no joke yeah. at wide receiver. He was a commit to WVU, right? and we flipped him, and we were all excited about his wide receiver potential, but he's been kind of buried by like the surprise to Schwan Jones, the surprise Dante Demas, and then the Rakeem Jarrett signing, you know, right. he's just, just kept falling down that depth chart. And uh, apparently his decision, not the coaches, or at least that's the way it's being put out there right. was that he would move to the, uh, the cornerback he played both ways in high school as most of these guys do exactly. because they're the best athletes in their high school yep um so he definitely has experience there and we definitely need him there at 6 190 pounds just looking at his st statistics on paper i like what he could bring a cornerback and i think like you said i think this is absolutely a spot that he could come in and make an immediate impact this year at corner yeah I mean, we already lost um Two people to graduation last year, and then you also lost a, a decommitment there also. Vincent Flythe was a DB, or not decommitment, but an opt-out. Um, Vincent Flythe uh, was a DB that opted out. Uh, so we were very thin. I mean, we do have uh, good depth at safety, or at least good starters at safety with Nick Cross and Antoine Richardson returning. Right. That's big that we have those to support our corners. But at corner, there wasn't much. So he will. I think he'll at least be the third corner on that defense as he switches over there. Yeah, I'm excited for that because, like I told you, my biggest two areas of concern, offensive line, still a concern. Still a concern. <laughs> oh, big concern. <laughs> Bigger concern. Cornerback on the defensive side was my concern, and I think Isaiah Hazel helps that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an athlete. And that he fits – when you look at who Locks has been recruiting, not even who Locks has gotten on the team, he is recruiting these longer, bigger – corners that's right. his style like he's looking he's looking for those guys he's not looking for the 510 you know 40 speed he's, that just hasn't been who he's been recruiting maybe right. he does want that it just hasn't happened but most of the guys he's recruiting are six one or better at corner and that's just kind of unheard of right that's true well sticking on the defensive side of the ball for a second i know we talked about talia getting his waiver granted there was another piece this time on the defensive side that got his waiver uh, also processed and approved to play this season, and that's the NC uh, State transfer, 6'4", 262-pound defensive end, Joseph Balapelli? Baltapelli? That's good as I'm going to get. Yeah. 6'4", <laughs> 262 pounds. This is a guy, again, that can step up and play right away, and I think he'll be a big contributor defensive end. One, against the run, but two, I think he's going to be able to create pressure off the edge uh, and disrupt some things in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, it's the ACC, and it's not Clemson, so right. that's basically the same as a JUCO transfer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the Big Ten's a different animal, but I certainly think that before we stack up on defensive linemen next year, as long as our commitments hold true, he will need to uh, produce on this defense. Yeah. We have another commitment. Not uh, Maybe for next season, and if we don't have one. <laughs> so. Well, actually, we did get – I think we got a couple of commitments over the last couple of days – uh, I'll let you go with the first one. Yeah, so 2021 commitment, offensive lineman Kyle Long. Um, his offer list wasn't all that impressive. He was committed to a mid-major um, somewhere in Minnesota, I think. Um, 
but he's a uh, six um six foot six uh 300 pound two or three star depending on where you're looking he needs some technical work uh basically his video just shows that he's bigger and stronger than everyone he's playing against so it if he gets beat all of a sudden he's just throwing them to the ground so uh we gotta see what he's what he's like against bigger and equal competition um but definitely some raw size for locks to work with yeah and then the other recruit that we ended up getting this past week uh is a commit for 2022 uh, and that's going to be wide receiver slash athlete, however you want to <laughs> label this kid, uh, Amari Clark, who at you know right now is the first commit for the 2022 class. Huge getting somebody this early, especially at a skill position like that. Talk about when when they name people athletes, they can line up pretty much anywhere. This is a guy that could be a wide receiver. He could be an H back. He could be a cornerback. Anywhere where athleticism as it is is kind of at a premium that's where this kid can kind of benefit this roster he's fast yeah. so that means he's fast exactly <laughs> some you know some places have him rated as a three star some places have him rated as a four star you know me i don't really care about star ratings or anything uh which did you see that stat speaking of that i think i sent this to you i'm not 100 percent sure but the first five players in the nfl's top 100 list from 2019, which had Lamar as number one, all were three-star recruits coming out of high school. They were all threes. There were no twos either. All of them were three-star recruits coming right. out of high school. This is why I say the star rating just means nothing to me. It has no weight. Uh, I get it, the excitement behind it and how to you know r rank recruiting classes and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your coaching staff, the development, the fit in the right system, all of these things. Uh, but... Good to see 2022 getting off on the right foot. Yeah, I just hope that the next time we see these Terps on the field uh, isn't the next time I had watched a Terp game because I could see 2021 or 2022 being the next time these guys get on the field. Let's still hope for 2020, right? <laughs> <laughs> so somebody else that uh, wanted didn't think that the uh, fit was right for him, Mr. Rashad Lewis. Um, yeah, Ray Sun. Yeah, Ray Sun, who also uh, was a DB that departed us uh, this last year, one of the reasons our depth is hurting. Um, he just committed. I found just found it interesting. He committed to uh, uh, University of Kentucky. Yeah. So it just feels a little interesting that it feels equal. Like that's a low end school in a big time conference. Well, so from, I feel like it's very similar. From what I heard, uh, his brother is also committing to Kentucky. So okay. it's going to be, uh, you know, where they get a chance to play with each other. It could just be like a family thing. It's his last, this will be Lewis's last year of eligibility, right? Yeah. I think he'll be a senior this year. Uh, so I think it was more so finding the right fit of a college that said, Hey, we'll play you and you'll get to play with your brother and we'll bring you both in. Uh, it's it. kind of like a package so deal. The rest of the transfers kind of just made sense. They like, they changed where they were going. They changed levels. They thought they'd have better opportunity. This one just kind of kind of stuck out that i'm like i feel like you're being the exact same situation with that team <laughs> right so. that's true all right let's shift gears a little bit let's talk a little basketball which there really hasn't been a whole lot going on a bunch of like we've talked about for the last couple months a bunch of swings and misses as far as the recruiting trails go well a good uh, transfer there from football to basketball is our player that's playing both ways Corey deiches has right has uh, uh joined the football squad and he will also be preferred walk one i think is the way they titled it for yeah. basketball right um so that's uh that's gonna be a little swing player there that'll be fun i hope I that'll hope be kind of cool to watch his yeah. career to be able to play on both sides and be able to watch him all year yeah Corey deitches unless he's gonna play cornerback for us is 
buried on that wide receiver depth right now. Yeah. So I don't see anything going on there early. Um, but, you know, basketball, you get minutes from pretty much anywhere on the bench, so we should see a little bit of them there. Right. Well, on the basketball side, uh, like I told you, a bunch of swings and misses so far. It's kind of really it caused a concern for a lot of Terps fans out there because as much as people want to criticize Mark Turgeon for his X's and O's, right, the one staple that he had was how great of a recruiter he was, and he's been able to get all these big-name recruits to come to Maryland. And he did. He got us on everybody's top three. Right, and nobody's top one. Yeah, nobody <laughs> decided to come here, uh, and obviously the big hole right now, uh, especially as you watch some of these players that were committed to the NBA come back Ooh. for another year, is our buddy Cockburn from Illinois. Cockburn, decided he's coming to come back. back. Garza. Oh my from God. Il- from Iowa, he's coming back. We right? thought the Big Ten big men were great last year. Oh, like, it's gonna like be stupid. these guys. I feel like they're all like slam dunk NBA players, but because the center is so devalued now, right. I guess they're not. Right. I guess that's just not. But I mean, you talk 15 years ago, both those guys are first round picks. Yeah. They're not coming back to college. Any any chance you think of Sticks coming back? Oh my God. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> uh, like, that's like the only I thing I can wrap my mind around that I'm like, well, maybe no. Turgeon knew in the back of his mind that, that Sticks was going to come back and he just wanted to go test the waters and kind of get the experience thing. I think uh, Sticks, if Sticks was coming back, and I'm, first of all, I don't think Sticks would come back because he is the the center the NBA is looking for. He is not the prototypical. He's a stretch four, he's I think, stretch, in the NBA. He's a, yeah, I mean, he's he's he can shoot the ball from outside. Right. He's he's more athletic, can play more D than those guys. They're not just a big body that's just dominant against college players. That's the problem. Is, Sticks is going to get pushed around in the NBA. Oh, though. yeah. but and, and, and Garza and Cockburn are more dominant in college than they ever would be in the NBA because they can just body people in college. Right. Um, so they're, they're going to be a problem, but maybe not as much in the NBA. Uh, but if Sticks was coming back, you don't do the next move we're going to talk about, which is give Reese Mona this scholarship. I think that you would be waiting to see if you need that scholarship spot. Yeah. I, I love Reese Mona. I love the story behind the kid. Uh, Seems like a great guy. You love rooting for him. Yeah, right. It, there's always that guy on the roster, you know, the, the guy that you want to see come in and mop up time, get some shots with three minutes left. That's Reese Mona for me. I don't want to see him getting any kind of uh, – you know, wait upon minutes. I don't want to see him out there for any length of period of time. Which is uh, who you think your scholarship players are. Which usually. is traditionally where your scholarships. Yeah, would this go. isn't football. We don't have scholarships to rain on somebody at the end of the bench, like yeah. for a, a participation. But you know, it, it's it talks more about our misses than it talks about you know Reese Mona earning it. Now, of course, he's earned it. The yeah. the amount of time and effort these guys put in oh, across yeah. the board to make these teams better. I'm super happy for the kid. Right. But in a normal year. He would not have got the scholarship, right? One hundred percent. There would have been a transfer. Yeah, and like we talked about, you know, the big the big hole right now is is the the size and depth down low, and that's been our biggest concern. That's where we've been targeting all these transfers and all these pieces, and we've just, like I said, we just haven't been able to land anybody. We did get the kid from Alabama, uh, Galen that, Smith. Galen Smith, that I think will add some size, and I think he'll be productive in this offense because of lack of options. Uh, but we did end up getting uh, another commit the other day, a kid that has similar similar background to former Terp Alex Lynn. Yeah, we got a six ten man out of Switzerland. Uh, he he uh, his name is Arnold Ravaz. Uh, six point seven points, three point five rebounds in twenty minutes. 
against whatever competition he's playing against because I'm not going <laughs> to pretend to know what's going on over there in Europe. Yeah. Um, but he, he did play in the U18 European Championships. That sounds impressive. Average 9.6 points and 5.5 rebounds. So the kid can play a little bit, and he also just started playing. Right. That's that's where I say he has similar background to Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn came over and only played basketball for like a year or two prior to coming to Maryland, so hadn't played long. He was a project, but he had all the physical size and athleticism to be a very good you know, center or power forward at the collegiate and NBA level with the right training and development, and Alex Lynn ended up turning into a top-five NBA pick. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to Hear the Turtle, um, he, he, he talks about how um, he was a track and field guy. That's what he lived and breathed was track and field. And I can't remember the name, but some NBA player told him, you're wasting your talents. You have the NBA body. You need to go play basketball. Right. And so I think it was two years ago uh, he started playing basketball, and here he is with a big-time Big Ten program, you know, getting his shot. Well, in, in fairness, too, it's not like – the Terps just started walking the streets and and found the quickest ten six foot ten guy that they could find and just said, "Hey, you'll work. You want a scholarship to play at the University of Maryland?" Like this kid, which was, would have been fine in our situation. No, it would have. It, it absolutely would have. <laughs> but I mean, this kid was also being recruited by UCLA, which yeah. you know, usually UCLA at one point used to be a very big powerhouse basketball school. Uh, still very respectable, but yeah, they're not what they were. Not what they were, <laughs> but still, I mean, he, he, this again, this wasn't just some kid that they pulled out of the woodworks. Uh, he's just going to be a project. Don't expect a whole lot out of him. I don't think this upcoming season, but year two, year three, if he develops and he puts in the work like an Alex Lynn did, I think he could uh, definitely contribute. I'm just interested with the Reese Mona side of things. If, and this is a huge if, there are fans in those stands, the pay, the the, the the uh, students get to go back. Will it feel the same? Will he be that underdog story now that he has a scholarship? Will they still chant for Reese and want him on the court, or is, <laughs> or do we now have to just pick somebody else because Reese is a scholarship athlete now? Right. Like, do we have to find our next Reese? Yeah. Even no, and, he's there. and listen, I I didn't mean anything personal again about my take on Reese Mona. Like I. I root for the kid. I, I wish nothing for the best for the kid. I just, you know, I'm so spoiled, I guess, as a Terps basketball fan with the types of recruits and the types of transfers that we've gotten year in and year out. The fact that we couldn't land that this year and then we ended up having to give a guy that, to your point, normally wouldn't get the scholarship. And it has nothing to do with his work ethic, has nothing to do with his want to. It just comes down to his ability. Yeah, personally, right? I think they should all be on scholarship. I think every player I agree that's playing that. athletics should at least be getting a free tuition so that's that being said but playing within the rules they give us and the few numbers of scholarships they give us that's not normally what would have happened not here <laughs> not at the university of maryland but uh again i wish the kid nothing but the best hopefully this doesn't like stunt his work ethic or anything like that hopefully he continues to want to develop and get better guy. and he's... wants to play more minutes and all that because at the end of the day just because he gets a scholarship doesn't mean that he's going to ultimately have the time and, and the minutes on the floor he's still got to earn that well, you got to remember, Reese Mona is a farm kid, so that work ethic's born and bred into him. Oh, that's very true. Those farm guys, they know how to put in work, that is for sure. But we want to thank you guys for coming back for episode 20, taking time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about some Terp stuff. Uh, thank you for being patient with us as we took a couple months off so Ryan could get his life together and move from one side of the town to the other. Uh, but want to remind you guys, any questions that you may have or any topics that you want to hear us talk about, Send them into our email at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and love to be able to make you part of the show. 
Uh, make sure if you're not already, follow us on all our social media platforms on Facebook and Twitter. Everything is Shell and Tell Pod. You can follow Ryan at Terps B. Espert. You can follow me at Fred BLBS. If you're looking for the latest Terps gear, which we just came out with a new uh, logo and, and artwork, uh, Check that out on birdlandbs.com backslash shell and tell. You can pick up all the latest gear there as well. Ryan, sign us off. Well, this is not the year I had imagined. We won't be renewing our rivalry with WVU. We won't get to continue our away game Big Ten tour. But hey, so far there will be football. So that, so that continues. Wear a mask. Until Wear a mask. Next time, here's to wishing all is well under the shell.